0: Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Annex Wealth Management is a proud member of the Barron's Top Advisor List and the Financial Times Top 300. Know the difference. It's Team Tech Trust. And a good morning, everybody. My name is Danny Clayton joining me Mark Oswald
1: Chief Compliance Officer Annex Wealth Management good morning Good morning guys and Dave Spano President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management Good morning Danny how are you Good I'm expecting a busy show let's get right to it
2: Yeah we uh, there's a lot to talk about for certain you know we talked about a new building of a wall of worry and you know there's the wall of worry that uh, we saw last year a lot of those uh, those check boxes uh, were, were mitigated uh, but you know we're going to continue to have problems as we go through 2020 and things to watch out For, you know, namely uh, political risk and geopolitical risk. And one of the other things that is uh, starting to bubble is really the FANG stocks are really starting to dominate. If you look at uh, their percentage of uh, growth that we've seen over the last year, for example, you'll take Apple up 100% last year. And what does that mean? Does it mean that we're starting to get overvalued? And you look at, you know, for example, 1999, and are there comparisons from today to 1999? Just a couple of things, Mark. That I like to point out. Back then, Wall. We'll remember the tech, bo- the tech boom was just out of control. Those tech stocks represented about 54% of the growth. Today, they're about 18%, but it's still a large amount. It certainly is. And when you look at companies
3: like Apple now, $320-some-odd per share. I mean, that that stock is just ripped, right? So you have to think about looking at your portfolio because if you own Apple, and if you own a, a large-cap mutual fund or an ETF, you probably own Apple. And you start thinking about what the prospects are for some of these companies going forward. You don't want to get too heavy into any one company, right, Dave? I mean, stay diversified. Yeah, but and
2: most people, as you put point out they probably don't Don't know know and and we do this on a daily basis we go and say what does your portfolio look like and people go yeah Apple's interesting and I have an Apple phone but I don't think that I own it but that's not really true
3: and that's when they find out that they do and they find out what their true exposure is and when you start thinking about a household of you know husband and wife and maybe other people in the household and you think about what all of your things look like your IRA your Roth IRA your pension plan your 401k plan what all of those things look like together and then you find out what your true exposure is to some of these stocks
2: that's right and so you think about you remember the term irrational exuberance that came out in the 1990s, and in 17 months before the tech bust, and you know we should uh, like to talk to Derek about this, who was running a mutual fund yeah, right. uh, back then. Uh, they went up 250 percent in those 17 months. The index did, uh, it broke at about 5,000, went down to 1,000. We finally passed that up. But you know if you are overweight technology, these are one of the things that you need to look at. There's no question that AI and all of these things are going to be major disruptors. In all businesses.
1: Does it matter that they're starting to get in the crosshairs of certain? Political, yeah,
2: yeah but uh, right now candidates. they are, in, in both uh, on both sides, as a matter of fact. But uh, we'll see it. You know, a lot of the rhetoric that you're hearing and that you're going to hear as you run up to uh, the election is just that rhetoric. We'll see if any of it gets uh, enacted. But there is no question that be having a technology overweight it has been the right decision, right. and underweight energy like we have has been the right decision. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't know what's in your portfolio. And Dave, draw
3: a distinction for people this morning though too for the valuation of some of these companies when you had IPO craze in 1999, every company was going public and you had companies with no earnings at all and they had you know multiples that were in the hundreds and 400s mm-hmm. and, and so these companies are, are still pretty fairly valued.
2: Yeah, but if you take any company, whatever it is, if you make widgets, you look at the amount of sales that you have year over year and you compare those and that's one of the things you look at. Are your revenues growing? And then you go to the bottom line, the net right. income number and say, is your net income rising? And once you have a net income then you can put you know your multiple on it, your price to earnings multiple. Right now, even though the S and P is trading around eighteen times, it's not what it was back then, which was thirty uh, PE. So even though eighteen times is higher than what we have seen in the past, you know the average is around sixteen or, or so. You have to remember that interest rates are at historic lows, and when interest rates are low, that pushes up valuations of all asset classes. And frankly, Mark, I think that's part of what the Fed is doing. You look at you know, wh- you know where are we. With income inequality and all these terms that we look at, but you have to remember that risk assets have been going up significantly, be it real estate or equities, and people have participated in that manner.
3: And not all stocks are created equal. I mean, you look at different sectors have different valuations historically. Tech has run a little hotter. I mean, you can get into the 20s in valuations in terms of price to earnings, and those PE ratios are sustainable. Other sectors, not so much. So I think you have to look back at your portfolio again and say where am I allocated and am I comfortable right now in my portfolio. I think that that is really the takeaway this morning, guys, is right now with the market, you have the NASDAQ at an all-time high. You should be looking at your portfolio and saying what do I own? Why do I own it? What place does it have and in should my plan? And should you rebalance?
2: And that's and a should great And so the rebalancing is, is really one of these risk mitigation tools that gets uh, overlooked from time to time. This is what you should be doing in your portfolio right now, Danny.
1: I'm Barron's top advisor, four-time member of the Financial Times Top 300, a fee-only fiduciary partner. I say those four words slowly so we all understand that is important. That is why we know the difference. Team Tech Trust at AnnexWealth.com. Head to our website today, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News.
2: This is Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management, where we ask you to know the difference. The Wall Street Journal has published a list of questions to ask your financial advisor. The very first one is, are you a fiduciary and are you willing to put that in writing? We've been asking people listening to our show to do that for years. That's just one of the ways to know the difference between financial advisors. People come to us every day with what I call a mishmash, statements here and there, overlapping investments, no consolidation. Annex Wealth Management can clean that up and put it in order. Our team of investment, tax, and estate planners will work to make sure your plan is clear and coordinated. If this makes sense to you, or if you want a second opinion on your investments and retirement planning, go to AnnexWealth.com. You can learn more there, or simply hit the Get Started button and start the process. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference. I'm Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. I hope we see you soon.
0: Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the Difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Know the Difference, Team Tech Trust, Annex
1: Wealth Management. Well, the numbers back up a sobering fact that women tend to be less involved with their own financial planning matters. If they're part of a couple, the tendency can be to let the partner oversee most of the decisions, or they just plan to get a later start because of a number of factors. If they suffer a loss, they're in the dark and they fight uphill. Deanne Phillips is a CFP, a CDFA, and a wealth manager, Annex Wealth Management. Good morning, Deanne.
4: Morning, Danny.
1: So that bad, huh?
4: Well, um, it can be, yeah. Actually, in an Oliver Wyman study that happened at the end of last year on women in the financial service industry as customers, he found, again, that women are the largest underserved customer group in terms of financial services industry and also in terms of the approaches that may appear to be gender neutral, in fact, do default toward men's needs and preferences oftentimes.
1: You've been in the business for decades, don't want to aid you. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) You said the exact amount. Uh, You're a CFP. You're also a CDFA, which is a Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times you will come in and you will aid women when the bottom has dropped out. So you must see this all the time.
4: You know, unfortunately, Danny, I really do. And um, there's twofold things here. You know, women want to know and trust their consultants on a personal and a professional level. And we women tend to value the people who do the work. So we want to really know, we want to be informed educated and you know financial products which are part of the industry as well as advice financial products are supposed to satisfy a sense of purpose but a lot of times they can be so confusing that it can create kind of an information overload and shut us down so it's important to sort through at times when you know before purchasing sort through the pros the cons the facts uh, and go about it with a clear head
1: do you find sometimes these women who find themselves all of a sudden having to make the decision, maybe, I don't want to say forced, but compelled, or they need to make the decision quicker than they should?
4: So, you know, sometimes that's just a fact of life. It's true, right? When we're faced with transitions in our life, there are some decisions that have to be made fairly quickly, but larger decisions usually, and probably should be kind of tabled until all the facts are there, or there is a more centered and grounded decision-making process in place? Because when we're faced in transition, and you're right, Danny, I I deal with a lot of people in transition, death, divorce, disability, uh, even job loss. There's a grieving process associated with that. And sometimes it's hard to come in to make a swift decision with a clear head.
1: Is the danger when others sense this that they swoop in that might not have best interests at heart?
4: Yeah, maybe that could actually be the case. You know, and sometimes it's well-meaning. It's, gee, people need to make this decision, yeah. so here's my product. But, you know, this is the why we're doing the workshop that we're going to be doing on a Women's Guide to Financial Self-Defense because this workshop really talks about taking all the products out there and kind of centering ourselves and knowing what to ask, not just in the times of emotional turmoil or crisis, but just in general, knowing what's important, because sometimes we don't have to become experts on the topics. We just need to know where to focus our questions.
1: Let's back up because I think you probably got people's attention with the title, which is a (laughs) Women's Guide to Financial Self-Defense. It's important to have those skills.
4: It really is. So, you know, being able to, when we're evaluating financial products, see the potential situations and the red flags that might come up, and then knowing how to say, oh, there's a flag, stop, wait, what do I need to know? Tell me about the pros and cons. So this workshop goes through the important questions to ask in those times of red flags.
1: And Annex Wealth Management is a fiduciary. So we got nothing to sell. Uh, It's an advice type of workshop, which is good because people shouldn't feel that they're going to come to this and then try to get sold something.
4: You're absolutely right, Jenny. This is a public education workshop. And that's really important because again, you know, it's about making informed decisions.
1: Let's set the date. Let's set the place as well. I can tell you it's Tuesday, February 11th, coming up fairly quickly. Light lunch and a discussion. Let's talk about the details.
4: You bet. So it's happening at the New York Pizza and Pasta on River Chase Plaza from 1115 to about one o'clock on February the 11th in Naples.
1: This will be a first opportunity for a lot of the Naples community to meet you. And of course, Brian Fiore, who is our branch director at Annex Wealth Management Naples, you both will be there.
4: We will both be there. Right. And uh, we welcome anybody. Again, it's a complimentary event. It's always bring a friend and come and join us. And, you know, we really go under the premise that we Women like to learn from women. So we encourage women of all ages to come and share their stories, share their own thoughts uh, and their own experiences on where they've maybe hit a stumbling block and had to back up and get a second opinion or other advice or try to figure out what they can do in their own financial self-defense.
1: This is the Women's Guide to Financial Self-Defense happens on Tuesday, February 11th, New York Pizza and Pasta, River Chase Plaza. Anybody that would like to be there, all you got to do is go to AnnexWealth.com and look for the events tab on our webpage that is in the upper right. You click that, or you can give us a call. That's easy at 239-350-6363. Again, that's 239-350-6363. Deanne Phillips, the CFP, a CDFA, and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, join us. Women's Guide to Financial Self-Defense, February 11th in Naples.
4: Looking forward to meeting everyone there. Thanks, Deanne. Thanks for having me, Danny.
1: Annex Wealth Management cares about Southwest Florida. Since its founding 20 years ago, the Naples Children and Education Foundation has been improving the lives of at-risk children in Collier County. In previously overlooked pockets of the community, the Naples Children and Education Foundation makes sure that kids have access to quality early education, proper medical care, and basic nutrition. To fund these services, the foundation created the world-renowned Naples Winter Wine Festival, which features a thrilling live auction. More recently, the festival announced an online auction to give more people in the community a chance to participate. You can bid on weekend beach getaways, trips to Napa Valley, rare and exclusive wine collections, golf outings, tickets to sporting events, and much more. You could win a fabulous auction package while helping the most vulnerable children in our community. Please go to nwwfonlineauction.com and start bidding. The online auction is open through the 28th, so don't wait. Again, visit nwwfonlineauction.com and help the Naples Children and Education Foundation improve the lives of kids in our community. Thanks from Annex Wealth Management.
0: Team, tech, trust. Straight talk from a fee-only fiduciary. It's time to know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. And we're
1: back. Time for Ask Annex. And as always, if you have a question for us, head to AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask button in the upper right. We get back to everybody. Some wind up on the radio, like this first one from Daniel. Derek, this one's going to be for you from Daniel. Does the signing of Phase 1 of the U.S.-China trade agreement change anything for your investment strategy? Well,
5: I really think it depends. I mean, I the, one I the way I look at this is we knew they were going to sign the deal. That was a given. The question is, how is that going to impact the way corporations behave? We've been ner- nervous about CEO confidence and the lack of pickup in CapEx and, and spending intentions for 2020. So during these upcoming earnings reports, we're going to be listening really closely to see what companies say about their willingness to, to do CapEx, you know, how confident they are in the future and the like. In addition to that, I was pleasantly Surprised with the fact that we're still uh, imposing tariffs on 370 billion in Chinese goods, or about three quarters of Chinese imports to the U.S., that gives the president a lot of leverage in, in a potential phase two negotiation, which may or may not occur before the election.
1: Next up on Ask Annex is from Adam. Why are Tesla shares climbing? Dave, can we go back in time a little bit? Remember when Elon Musk got in trouble and he was saying he would take the company private at $420 a share? And it was b- way below that. Way below that. Now it's 200s. up in the, what, 500s? Yeah, it's in
2: the low 500s and rocking and rolling. But, you know, one of the uh, New York Wall Street analysts came out and said it's a sell. Uh, uh, and So we're, we're watching the, the stock closely. We don't own it. But, of course, the question is, why is it going? And right now, it's, we saw what happened in China, Derek, and I think that was a big part of uh, the reason why I moved.
5: Yeah, I think you have a, a toxic combination for short sellers, improving fundamentals an unknown valuation and massive short interest, which creates buying power on its own right. I mean, I was impressed with how quickly they were able to put together a, a, a factory in, in China. It took only a year. But generally speaking, the Chinese electric vehicle market is much better, bigger than the rest of the world, a million units in 2018, 800,000, the rest of the world, and the Chinese government is mandating 25% of car sales in China by 2025 be electric vehicles. That's 4 to 5 million units alone. And that Tesla plant in China is only expected to produce 250,000 so units year. So that would be year. six
2: times more than what they're doing already. So that's the bull case. Of course, the bear case is it is the most shorted stock of all stocks. So it's it's interesting. It's a good story to tell. We don't own it, Danny. Can
1: you give me just an investment 101? Shorting is, you know, for... No, Selling
5: selling shares you don't own, which you have to borrow. It sounds complex. It is. It is. And it for is. most people, it's something you stay away from. Okay, thank you. That's why I have.
2: That's okay. why the compliance officer is here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thank you,
1: compliance officer. Yeah. This is Ask Annex. This next one from Tony. despano mentioned watch stocks recently. Is that a real thing, like FANG stocks? Well, first off, FANG stocks are what, Facebook
2: Apple, Apple, Amazon, Amazon Netflix, Netflix, and Google, Google okay. which is really an A right now because it's Alphabet. But yeah, you know, there's all these stupid acronyms that we use in our business. I'm S- surprised so that I said watch on the air, but <laughs> uh, but Mark, watch stocks are what? They're retail stocks. So your Walmart, Amazon, Target, Costco, and Home
3: Depot, I believe, are what make up that a- that acronym. And you know, you're looking in to see broadly what are retailers doing, and so those those companies have kind of been emboldened against some of the other retailers, and those companies have, by and large, you know, Target had a tough quarter here, but by and large, those those retailers have done well, and they're retailers that we're watching.
2: And Derek, you know, you're talking about retail stocks doing well, you have to look at the, the consumer, and the consumer t- continues to
5: do really well. Right. The, we saw a Consumer Conference report on Friday. It was better than expectations. We saw a wage number that was 3%, uh, certainly not high enough to get the Fed concerned, but generally speaking, the consumer who drives the U.S. economy is on, on solid footing as we enter 2020.
2: And not not political commentary, but that does bode well for the current administration. We'll have to see what's going to change throughout the summer. And if things change, right, if there is a, some type of, you know, a breakdown in the China, if they don't abide by the rules of the new agreement, there's a lot of things that can happen. A new wall of worry will be built in 2020.
1: Okay, next up on Ask Annex is from Michael. As I get closer to retirement, I'd like to get what I have in, in my 401k into something that will put me at less risk of economic catastrophe, if you know what I mean. I perceive what I'm into now to have somewhat more risk than maybe I'm now wanting to take, but would like some advice
3: on that. So,
2: so Mark, let's uh, real quickly go through what happens if someone comes in to talk to us.
3: Well, I think that's where you start because you're not alone in this at all, Michael. Most people, as they start getting closer to retirement, are starting to pull back their horns a little bit, making sure that what they've earned, what they've amassed through their career is going to be there to sustain them for the rest of their lives. So that's where that free portfolio review really comes into, is looking at a 401k. A lot of brokers out there aren't going to do that for you because of the fact that they can't make any money doing it. There's no commission to be made in providing advice. When a fee-only fiduciary like Annex is providing advice to our families, we're doing it not only with the assets that we manage actively, but the assets that are in 401k plans and other retirement accounts. So if you're interested in doing that, as you get closer and closer to retirement, more and more important that you do that to make sure that you're set up going forward. We'd be happy to help.
1: We sure would. And you can do that, Michael. Everybody listening, you can do that today. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. We're a Barron's Top Advisor, a four-time member of the Financial Times Top 300, and a 2019 Top Workplace. If you got a question for us on Ask Annex, just send it to us via AnnexWealth.com. Look for that Ask button. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News.
2: This is Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management, where we ask you to know the difference. The Wall Street Journal has published a list of questions to ask your financial advisor. The very first one is, are you a fiduciary and are you willing to put that in writing? We've been asking people listening to our show to do that for years. That's just one of the ways to know the difference between financial advisors. People come to us every day with what I call a mishmash, statements here and there, overlapping investments, no consolidation. Annex Wealth Management can clean that up and put it in order. Our team of investment, tax and estate planners will work to make sure your plan is clear and coordinated. If this makes sense to you, or if you want a second opinion on your investments and retirement planning, go to AnnexWealth.com. You can learn more there or simply hit the get started button and start the process. AnnexWealth.com, know the difference. I'm Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. I hope we see you soon
0: team, tech, trust, and a fee-only fiduciary model that works in your best interest. Can your advisors say that? This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. And we're back. Know the difference. It is Team Tech Trust, our website,
1: AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Get going with that free portfolio analysis. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for the Axiom, which is our free weekly newsletter. You don't have to be a client to uh, sign up for the Axiom.
2: Thanks, Dan. You know, I had a chance to talk with an economist friend of mine uh, earlier this week, and we talked about what he thought 2019 was going to look like. And of course, there was no way for him to know that the Federal Reserve was going to do an about-face and change the Direction altogether, and, and really that was a big part of why we had such a great run in 2019. It was Fed-driven, and the fact that we had up 30% in the S&P 500. What more importantly, what does 2020 look like? We do know that the Fed, for the most part, is going to sit on the sideline. but right now they continue in you know avail the uh, quantitative easing, and that is still being accommodative to the markets. And so you look at you know what what are our expected returns? Well, I think that we're going to have a lot of volatility in 2020 for two reasons one geopolitical we saw what happened with Iran that popped up out of nowhere and now the coronavirus again who saw that coming and so geopolitical concerns geopolitical risks they're going to pop up out of nowhere and then of course you have political risks Mark that are that we're going to have throughout uh, the year And it doesn't matter what side of the political aisle you're on if you think Trump if you're a Trump guy and you think Trump is going to lose that's going to cause you some uh, concern some consternation and if you're on the other side and you think like, for example, Warren uh, is going to win and what is that going to do to the market? That's going to cause a lot of consternation to investors. So most importantly, you have to look in your portfolio, Mark, and understand what is in it.
3: Well, that's for sure. And I think that this is a great opportunity to do that. I mean, we've got so many months until we have an election. Right now we have uncertainty, right? We don't know who's going to be at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue come next January. But the fact is, is that there may be change. And I think you have to prepare yourself for that. your point, Dave, you know, when the market's up 30% in a year, it's easy to get out of balance. It's Mm -hmm. easy for people to have too much equity in their portfolio. Think about people here in our community in Naples, and some of them are people that, you know, have to look now at their risk tolerance and say, as I age, is my risk tolerance changing? Is my family risk tolerance changing? Should I be so heavily allocated into stocks? Should I have more bonds in my portfolio? Back to your point about rebalancing, I think really now would be a good time to do that.
2: Well, there's no question. You think about it not only that, Mark, but not only when you talk about equities, you have to think about are you U.S.-centric? You know, we often right. talk about uh, people in their area where they live is how they invest. You know, if you're, if you're on the West Coast, you're, you're technology right. heavy, if if you're in, up in the upper Midwest, there's a lot of industrials. Mm-hmm. If you're in the, on the East Coast, there's a lot of financial stocks in your portfolio. And if generally, if you're in your, th- in your South, we've seen a lot of energy stocks. And that is just a very myopic view. You have to think about what kind of domestic stocks do you own? And more importantly, is there an opportunity for international stocks? So when you rebalance, it's not just from stock to stock, from U.S. stock to U.S. stock, but internationally, do you have enough exposure? And there's no question that people should do a deep dive on their portfolio understand what they own why they own it, and how much they're paying for it. I saw a recent survey, Mark, that said 54% of people don't know how their assets are allocated.
3: Well, I think that that's a fair number, because when you talk to people, we talk to people every day, we meet new people, and we look at their asset allocation, and it's like the light bulb went on for some people, because some people are really good, they understand exactly what they own and why they own it, and they just want to get that free portfolio review. Other people have never done it. They've never looked at a household and said, what is my true allocation to something like energy or something Something like technology, and until you have that conversation, until you go through that analysis, sometimes you're you're just kind of blind, and, and you say, well, it's just kind of working, but I'm not really sure why it's working or how it's working, or so or if
2: it's going to continue to, to cons- work. That is really the main I, question. Absolutely,
3: right? you can. I mean, don't don't confuse success with suitability, right? I mean,
2: and then by the way, don't don't confuse a bull market with genius. I often tell our clients <laughs> yeah, right. that they came in and say, oh, you we're up 30 percent, congratulations. And I say, well, hold on a second, yeah. the Federal Reserve had a lot to do with this. Well, that's
3: for sure, and so. I I think right now when you have volatility probably on the horizon because of the election because of the geopolitical stuff that you pointed out. I mean you're going to have volatility. Volatility is opportunity. And when there's an opportunity to look at your portfolio and say how do I take advantage of this right now to sustain my financial plan to stay on track with my financial plan. That's a healthy exercise.
2: And that's always the case Mark and of course you have to understand the tax ramifications. There's a lot of people that we know that were waiting for the calendar to turn before they sold some things because of the capital gains and of course if you wait until after january you won't have to pay that tax until april of 2021 there's a lot of people who are sitting on a lot of embedded capital gains that's part of the portfolio review
1: Thanks, guys. We are out of time. Mark Oswald, our Chief Compliance Officer, Annex Wealth Management, Dave Spano, our President and CEO. Your first place to head, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button, and we shall get going for you. Baron Stop Advisor, four-time member of the Financial Times Top 300, and a fee-only fiduciary partner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a week. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox
0: News.